Hi church, welcome to my preach, Come As You Are, part two. I've never actually done like a second part of a preach before, so I'm actually really, really excited. Uh, one of the first things I wanted to say was thank you so much for the amazing amount of messages that I've received from everyone. The amount of support that I've been getting and just um, people telling me their own testimonies. Honestly, it's been really humbling and overwhelming and I'm really, really, really grateful for just the overwhelming support of my church family. And when I, one thing that I took away is that when I came through the other side at the time, I, I actually struggled a little bit. When I finally kind of thought I'd made a breakthrough, I struggled with a bit of anger and a little bit of disappointment because I think I was waiting for this kind of aha moment like, oh, okay, I went through this, this, that, and the other, and I thought there was going to be a reason. One of the things I tried to tell myself as I was going through it was, there's a reason for this, there's a reason for this, there's a reason for this. And I kind of was waiting for like this aha moment at the end of it to go, okay, this is the reason why. And I had to get to a point in my life that, you know what? I'm not going to question the authority of God. And I need to be okay with, I might never know the reason why God allowed me to pass through that phase of my life um, the way he did. And one of the things that I particularly struggled with with was that I received a word whilst I was in the midst of it. And uh, the person said to me that, I feel like you're going through a private battle to get a public victory. And the premise behind the word was the fact that David, before he fought Goliath, whilst he was tending to the sheep in the forest, what he was doing was fighting lions and bears off and was doing a lot of that fighting in private in the middle of the mountains where no one knew what was going on. David was far, far away. But it meant that when it came to fighting Goliath, when it came to fighting Goliath, he was ready. He had all that experience, all that work done in private so he could be set up for a public victory. And I was kind of standing there waiting for this amazing public victory. I thought there was going to be a massive parade or something and I was going to have this amazing moment. And it just didn't come. But I had to become settled, as I said, with the fact that I might not know the reason why God has taken me through it, but I trust God through everything. And when I was sitting down to write the second part of um, this preach and going through today, and it wasn't until I was receiving everyone's messages of love and support, that I realized God dropped in my heart, this is why. It was really, really difficult for me at times to be that vulnerable. I had a conversation with my sister who didn't know um, some of that story. And I was really just happy and overwhelmed with the fact that God, thank you so much for using my testimony to allow not others, not just others to share theirs, but to show them that God is at work through everything, even through the eye of the storm. One comment I actually really enjoyed was that um, someone said to me, I really like the fact that you took the science and made it really, really easy to understand. I was like, it's a pretty good job I'm a science teacher then. I really, really appreciate that and thank you to that person. But one thing that was at the back of my mind while I was doing the initial preparation of the preach was, I don't want to be arrogant enough to think that just because my degrees in science and my backgrounds in science that I know everything about this. A lot of my... Um, knowledge concerning mental health is due to experience and my own um, research. But it was always at the back of my mind that I wanted to be able to speak to a professional on the subject, someone that would be able to take the subject matter 
and make it palatable to church so that they can understand. The difficulty was that I know that some people see that med the medical profession and some aspects of faith as, div as divisions. And that's part of the reason why I decided to go to my friend, Dr. Thomas Yap. Now, Dr. Thomas Yap was the chaplain at the University of Essex um, whilst I was there. For, so I was there from 2008 to 2011, and he stayed a little bit after. And what I really loved about Dr. Thomas was that whenever I spoke to him, he just has this really calming, person, personable quality about him. And when I was going through anything at university, I knew I'd be able to speak to him, and I knew I'd get this level of maturity that would make me feel safe and comforted. And then when after I graduated, and then he left his role as chaplain, and I found out he was a therapist, I was like, oh, this makes so much sense, so much sense. And he's such an amazing friend, and I've really, really appreciated his love and support over the years. And what I wanted to be able to do was just have an interview with him. I knew that when I was going to talk on the subject of mental health, I wanted a medical professional to be able to speak on it, but also someone to come in from the aspect of faith. And I know that Dr. Thomas Yap is just so overwhelmingly well-placed to be able to do this. So what I've done is I've asked him a few questions over Zoom, and just to ask him to share some light on what we discussed a couple of weeks ago, as well as what church will look like in the future. So here's the interview and I'll have a chat with you straight after. Here we go. Hi everyone, I'm here with Thomas Yap, who is an old friend of mine and a therapist. And I won't necessarily do too much of his intro, I'll let him introduce himself. Hi, hi Thomas. Hello. Can you, um, can you tell us a little bit about um, your background, yourself and the work that you're involved in? Good to, good to see you, Ayo. Um, yes, I'm a, a psychotherapist. Um, I work um, in um, the NHS, um, so it's in uh, secondary um, care. I work at the Tavistock and Portman uh, NHS Foundation Trust, which is uh, based here in London. Um, and the unit that I belong to is called the Fitzjohns Unit. It's a unit that specialises in working uh, with people with personality disorders. So we tend to um, see people for long term because they, they have uh, complex needs um, and mainly I work with adults. I also run a private practice as well so so it's uh, uh, yeah busy for, for, uh, for too busy for my liking. <laughs> I, bet, I bet this past year has been incredibly busy for you and yeah. a lot of people arriving with complex needs um, as a result of being locked down as a result of just having to even endure the thought of coming back into normal society. And so one of the things I wanted to ask you as a professional is um, what does mental fatigue look like? So for, for me, I might not necessarily um, recognize the signs in a friend or someone within church. So what are the type of things that I might notice in someone um, that I might be associated with if they're going through mental fatigue? Um. You've got quite a, two important questions there. One was to do with um, the signs, which I'm going to talk about in, in a minute. But I was just thinking about your question earlier about um, you know the pandemic and people coming back. And of course, some people um, would say that their experience has been that, in fact, the pandemic was helpful because they've already been feeling low. And, uh, and now the pandemic happens. For them, it's a sense of now the world knows how it feels like for me, you know, when everything is shut down and I can't communicate and, and things are difficult. 
Um, so, so just to bear in mind that there are there are people for whom the experience of the pandemic might be very different uh, from um, people who have been going out and doing lots of things and then suddenly find, you know, so, so that's a different different thing. In terms of, of signs, I mean, I'm sure um, most people would know, you know, if you if you find a friend sort of withdrawing or they're, they're not communicating like they're used to, or, you know, um, you find that, um, I mean, all the usual signs, you know, they, they're, they're not eating well, they're not sleeping well, um, that kind of thing. Uh, I think that's basic, you know, hopefully you would notice that and you would have eyes out for people who might be feeling that way. And um, I suppose the, the ones that are trickier are the ones where, um, you know, they look all right, every, they, they seem okay, um, but actually you don't know what's going on. You, know, you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Um, and that's the sort of thing, um, you know, that would require a little bit more attention um, and, and thought given to it. Um, and I suppose in the context of church, you might um, really, really stop and ask, you know, how, how are you? Not just how are you, I'm fine, thank you very much. And, you know, walk on, which is what often churches um, we, we do because we're being polite. Um, but, but actually to really find out. And of course, if you are going to ask that question, um, be prepared for someone to, to say, hmm, I'm not, I'm not well. Um, and actually be prepared to stay with them and to listen uh, in a way that perhaps, uh, you know, it's, it's, I suppose um, from where I stand, it's always better to be honest uh, on both sides. In other words, if you don't have time and you don't want to find out how the person is doing, um, don't ask. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a, a kind of honesty to it. I mean, the same way that, um, you know, there's honesty in, in answering something. Um, but, but of course, you have ways of, of working with that. You could also say, I, I don't have time right now, but I really want to hear what you're saying. Can we arrange for a coffee or something? That's sort of what comes to my mind. But I wonder what, the, what prompts you to ask that question. I think it's just a recognition that it looks different for everyone. I think for me, I know that when I was going through my issues with mental health, I was easily able to mask it. And so just, I think sometimes we have a preconceived idea of what me poor mental health looks like. Mm -hmm. And just a recognition that it might not necessarily be someone walking around gloomy, but kind of being able to, like you said, be able to ask a really deep question, like, are you really okay? Or ask it and being able to kind of cut through the busyness of life to find out what's um, really going on. And just like you said, being able to be honest with each other within church. I mean, I recently had a friend um, stop asking me, oh, are you okay? And now they ask me, are you happy? Just mm. because, you know, it's a really, are you happy is a difficult question to hide behind. Mm. Whereas, are you okay? You could easily just say fine and move on. Mm. Um, and a, a question, another question really I wanted to ask was just the idea of, you know, if people are going through um, different points in their mental health or are struggling, how do you come, how do you as a Christian and as, as, as a therapist combine faith with the psychodynamic approach to treating mental health? I don't know how much you know about psychodynamic um, work, um, but the, the premise is that um, we are who we are today because we have a history you know we have experiences um we have um 
thoughts, processes that uh, didn't sort of fly in through the window. You're not suddenly who you are today, just like mm. that. Um, and so the psychodynamics is about looking at actually how you became who you are uh, and what has um, influenced or uh, built up, you know, um, who you are inside. So you've got a world that's going on inside of you. And as you have very helpfully said earlier, you know, the, the outside um, from where you could see, you could be very, look very happy, but internal, your internal world might be, you know, very difficult. You might be really struggling. So, so psychodynamics is about looking at the internal world, looking at the things that you might not um, be so aware of, but nevertheless, it's, it's running, you know, sometimes running the way you, you behave. Um, so in terms of um, uh, church life, I suppose that the, the question is, you know, um, how seriously we take that, you know, um, simple example, um, someone who has had um, uh, a very difficult um, growing, growing up experience, you know, let's say parents who are constantly arguing uh, and uh, there's no certainty, you know, you never quite know who's taking care of who, uh, for example, um, might have a very different experience of the pandemic than someone who um, has very stable um, family life, uh, have good friends when they were growing up, you know, and less prone to withdraw. Well, they would have a very different experience. So, and the, the level of resilience would be different, you know, for, for, for both, both those people. So, um, so a lot of my work is actually really spending time um, experiencing those things in the room with my patients and really trying to think about, you know, how is it that they've come to be where they are, where their responses are and what's it linked to. And that they might be reacting to something that they might not be so aware of, that they think it's just about now, but actually it's something else. Um, so that's a lot of, of, of the work that I do. Um, in terms of faith, um, you know, it's an interesting one because you can use faith differently. You can use faith as a, a, a kind of defense from really knowing what's going on. So you, you know, um, one way to say this is um, because it's so painful what's going on inside. Um, I'll just use God as a defense. So then I don't need to think about my sadness. I don't need to face um, the reality of my loss. Um, I just have God instead. So, so in that way, God becomes like a magical being, you know, mm. that stops you from actually facing things that are going on. And mm. um, so that's one way in which you can use faith, uh, which would not be so conducive for your growth, you know, and, mm. But another way to use faith is to use it as, as something that's um, a resource, you know, for you. Um, so that actually um, it's a relationship that helps you to feel that you have a place, that helps you feel that you are known, that helps you feel that you're loved, 
you know, then, then faith becomes something that's life-giving to you. And if you also have a, a community of people who share that faith, like a church, um, then, then you've got, you know, not just an internal sense of being held and being known and being loved. It's also that you've got people outside, you know, who literally bring you food or <laughs> take you to the car and take you to church, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. So then uh, you've got both in that case. So, it's, so faith is an interesting one. So, you know, it's how you, how you use it. I think that's a really interesting point in that a lot of people will kind of use it as use God itself as a mask to not really acknowledge what's going on on the inside when really God wants us to not necessarily forget everything that's gone behind but acknowledge that God you went through that but God took you through that and as a result that's helped you made uh, help make you the person that you are today and as a result your testimony can go on to encourage someone else yeah. and I think sometimes when we talk it through like this it's really easy to kind of logically come to that conclusion um but i still find that a lot of people find it difficult to overcome their issues with mental health even when they um have faith do you feel like it's mainly because they're using their faith as trying to see god as a magical being that's going to overcome everything rather than um trying to use their faith in conjunction with actually seeking professional medical help or do you feel like it's something different um you know that's a really a broad question in the sense that there isn't a, um, there is no uh, right and wrong in that sense because it all depends on each person. So, so how you experience your faith, mm. how you see it, how you experience it and what it means to you might be very different from the person sat next to you, yeah. even if you sat together in church, <laughs> you know, so, so, for me, it's always um, really trying to get to the roots of things, you know, to try to understand um, what it means for that person. Um, and, because then you can work out actually how they actually use it and why they use it the way they do. And for each person, that would be, that would be different. I, I don't know if, if that sort of, in a way, answers your question, you know, because it's not, it's not a formula, I think is what I'm saying. I, I think that's really important to understand that there's not a formula. I think sometimes people get to a point where they're struggling with their mental health and then kind of go, oh, but I have faith. Why isn't it not working this way or work this way for Io or when he did his preach or this way for that person? And yeah. really, you're right. There's no real formula to how they do it. It's about working out your own faith with um, with God and with, with your church and also being having the wisdom to also seek medical help as well. So it works alongside each other. Yeah, yeah. And maybe, um, you know, thinking about medical health, um, or, or it's an interesting one, I guess, because, you know, you and I were thinking earlier about the difference between uh, perhaps faith and, and therapy or, or medication. And, it, and I think you would be probably keen to say, as I, as I am, to say that they're not divisions, you know, they, they can complement each, each other. Um, but of course, for some people, it feels like a division. And then you have to then think with them about, okay, what, what does that mean? You know, is it a fear? Is it a fear that if I take my medication, then I'm loving God less, or I'm being less faithful to, uh, to healing? You know, 
but then then we go into the realm of theology <laughs> that, that's when you then have to um, then think with your pastor i think uh, hopefully your pastor would have a good theology of, of healing uh, a good theology of, of suffering which again you know is, is easily uh, missed out sometimes in churches because we we tend to only want to look at wanting people to get well um, but what about helping people to die well you know <laughs> to suffer well which mm -hmm. is a which is a, a, another big area so so yeah but that's 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 kind of uh the realm of, of the pastor yeah so <laughs> officially above my pay grade <laughs> so i mean I, I i do find theology really really interesting and i love read, reading about it but and but i don't want to necessarily bore the rest of church with you and i going back and forth on that so thanks so much for um what you've given me so far just before we go i just wanted to ask what would be your top uh three bits of advice in terms of dealing with any anxieties or any aspects of poor mental health as we approach and the reopening of the country and coming back to church? Um, I suppose the first thing I want to say is um, that there are a lot of changes happening internally and externally. And it's probably um, very important that we notice that for ourselves, mm. as it could be very easy to, to think, oh, well, that's changed now, so we just do that, you know, and, and actually, Sometimes it's helpful to just stop and think, actually, that's changed. So, for example, um, we are now using Zoom. Um, and, um, you know, the way we interact with Zoom um, uh, is very different from if we were in a room in person together. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that, in fact, neurologically, your, your brain changes <laughs> when, when we use Zoom. For ex um, one simple example, um, uh, using Zoom means that we have eye contact all the time in front of each other. That can trigger the response um, of fight or flight. Okay. Staring at each other the whole time, you know, <laughs> or intensity that you wouldn't get in a room when you're sat mm. with someone because you might look away or, you know, you, you do something different. So, so, um, so the, the level of engagement is changing your brain would be changing. You'd be trying to adjust to, to that. So when you return back to work, uh, if you've been isolating or, or whatever, and then you meet lots of people, your system inside can get overwhelmed. You know, that's a very simple yeah, yeah, wow. thing. But, but we, we take for granted because we think, oh, we've, we've been fine before. Why am I yeah. not fine now? Why am I so tired? You know? Yeah. So, so that's one thing. I suppose the second thing is um, it's very easy to isolate um, when we are faced with overwhelming feelings mm. and um, to isolate, to withdraw. It's very useful in the moment, but maybe needs thinking about if you're using it all the time. Yeah. Um, so, so I suppose that would be something that um, uh, is worthy of time and thought you know, to be with someone, um, uh, to pick that up, mm. you know, to think about, think about that. So if you are um, finding yourself wanting to isolate, you know, to begin to ask, you know, is this me wanting to recharge? Or is this me feeling totally overwhelmed? Uh, and I can't think anymore, you know, 
And if it's the latter, how, how much of that? And, and then which leads to the third point, I suppose, that um, to really start thinking about your resources, you know, what kind of resources do I have? Church is one, but of course, church can be, um, can, can have two sides, you know, mm -hmm. you, you could have a church that, that where you feel very supported, or you could have a church where you feel very persecuted by it. So, um, so, um, so you have to, you know, I suppose my thought is to think about where your resources are. If your faith is a resource to you, great. You know, if it isn't, how and, uh, you know, where can you allow that to be worked through so that it can be a resource? Mm. You know, um, um, so, so that's something to think about, really. I mean, of course, we're thinking about mental health, but but that's it's very broad. It includes other things too. You know, are you common sense things? Are you eating well? Are you exercising well? Mm. Are you doing all the usual things that that um, they used to do, or do you find yourself not doing that? You know, um, I suppose those are my three three things really. Uh, the last thing is to say, if you have something that is really bothering you, it's been there you felt you've held on to it for so long, you've managed to get through the pandemic, you come out the other end, and then you find yourself thinking, oh, it's not so good now. Why is it so not good now when I've managed to pass through everything else? Um, well, it might well be that you've just managed to keep yourself afloat. Um, and now that things are returning to what we call normal, <laughs> um, you, you are now having to face things that you've held on, that you might not have faced over that period. So again, give that space to yourself, uh, because in that sense, it's, it's ordinary what you're experiencing. Thanks so much. You just, I just really appreciate how articulate you are and how you are able to just kind of put a lot of the things that I've kind of thought about and just being able to put it so eloquently. So I really, really appreciate that. Um, it's been years since I've been able to see you. Thank you for everything. For those that don't know, uh, Thomas actually officiated my wedding as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> so again, my family are eternally grateful for you. And um, yeah, much love to you and I hope to see you soon. Indeed, thank you. Thanks. Wow, that was amazing. And once again, thank you so much to Thomas. And if everyone could show their appreciation to him in the chat box, I'd really, really ap appreciate that. And so just so I can pass on um, your love and messages to him. What I really wanted to do is kind of go at some of what Thomas said and look at it through the lens of come as you are so that we can prepare for what church will look like when we come back. And one of the verses that I wanted to talk about today was John 6, 37 to 40. And it says, however, those the Father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even um, one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up on the last day. You see, God desires relationship with us. He wants relationship with us. He wants to be with us. It's his will to see that we should be raised up on the last day with him. 
And ultimately, it's really easy to get into a space with our mental health where our relationship can become misconstrued. And we might not necessarily be using our faith in an effective way. In the interview, Thomas warned us about not necessarily using God as a mask or using God as a crutch or using God as a being out there to try and not deal with the issues that are going on. The beauty of doing relationship with the Father is that he's able to go through to the core of your being and see what's inside and help you fight those battles on the inside so that you can walk out with your head held high. It's really, really easy. And I know that I've done it before. When you're going through something and you go, you know what? I'm just gonna shout the name of God really, really loudly and not really deal with what's going on in the inside and just say, God's got it, God's got it. But in the meantime, not doing any business with God in prayer, not doing any business with God by coming to church, and I never want to get to a point in my relationship where I'm continually saying the name of God and God is able to turn around and say, I don't know you. He wants relationship with us. Be honest about where you're at in your relationship. Be honest. One of the th comments I got again and again and again over the past two weeks was thank you for your honesty and your vulnerability. And for me, it was a decision that was quite straightforward for me. I count you guys as family. I've been part of this church for just over 10 years now. And I never want for me to be, to be in a position where the church is more than the building, the church is the people. To become a cliche, we say it all the time. Oh, the church is more than the building. The church is the people. Well, when is there a better time to be able to experience it than now? And I wanted to tell you that you are my family and I apologize for all the times where I might have put up a mask and tried to not acknowledge what was going on and been fake in church. And I wanted to apologize for that and let you know that as my family, this is what I've gone through. It was really difficult. But I knew that you were my family and I wanted to be honest with you with where I was at. And ultimately, we're not going to make any progress unless we're honest about what's going on with ourselves. And I want you to know that I don't want you to carry any shame and neither does the Father. Psalm 34 verse 5 says, Those who look to the Lord, their faces are radiant. They are never covered with shame. And I love that verse so much. Those who look to the Lord, their faces are radiant, reflecting the glory of the living King and are never covered with shame. So again, come as you are. By looking to the Lord, you reject depression, you reject shame, and you reflect his radiance. You reflect his glory by able to experience him in the presence of his people. Do not let shame be the reason that you don't come back. We're all in different places. We're all in different places. Do I wish that I handled the pandemic a little bit better? Do I wish that I was in a better spiritual place than I could have been? Yeah, 
what the pandemic has done is highlight to me some of the flaws within me where I can challenge myself more about my relationship with the Father. It's really easy for me to use my job and say, oh, well, because of work, I'm really, really busy. That's why I can't read my Bible more. That's why I can't pray more. But it was an eye-opener to me to go, no, I need to be able to challenge myself and say, that's not the reason why. Am I really doing enough in this relationship with the Father? And because I can be honest with that, I can share that with you so that you can help challenge me on that as well. And I know that you won't judge me. I know you'll continue to love me. But I can only experience that by able to come to church and let you know and experience the love of the Father through each and every single one of you. It's really important to not let it become a flight or fight or flight response. But to just be able to come back to church and experience the Father in, a, in an awesome sense of vulnerability with him. Today's Father's Day. And when I requested to have this um, Sunday to preach, I forgot it was going to be Father's Day. Sorry, Dad. Um, I forgot it was going to be Father's Day. But what is more of a beautiful expression of the Father than being able to experience his love through the church? And I know that my, not only does my heavenly father love me, I know that my earthly father loves me. And what I wanted to share was just actually a really good expression of being able to come as you are through my father-in-law. So he has no idea that I'm going to share this. And luckily, as we're watching this, I probably won't be in the room because, you know, as much as I have a darker shade of skin, I can still blush. So I'm going to share this, but... Um, some of you know that I've had to move out of my house recently whilst we're waiting to move into a new one. And I had this revelation of my uh, father-in-law whilst we were having a family barbecue a few weeks ago. And if anyone has met my father-in-law, they will know that my father-in-law wears dress shirts every single day. Every single day he wears a dress shirt. Wind, rain or shine, this guy will come out looking crisp. And I was watching him as I was there in my Jordans and my shorts, because, you know, I'm so trendy. And he was barbecuing in a dress shirt. And I thought, this guy is dedicated. I love it. And not in a creepy way, but I was just staring at him as he was barbecuing um, in his dress shirt. And I thought, wow, this guy and myself are worlds apart. He grew up in um, southern England in a village. I grew up in East London around all kinds of people. And yet he's able to look at me as I am and accept me for who I am, for the way I talk, for the way I act, for the way I look. We, very, we don't have very much in common. I respect his wisdom, but also we disagree on a lot of things. He'll probably be nodding along to this. And he knows that we disagree on a lot of things, but he still loves me and I look at the man that he is and the love that he's shown me and the grace that he has shown me as my earthly father-in-law and I don't even often call him my father-in-law I just call him dad and I love him for that and I had that revelation in, in the barbecue just looking at the sheer difference between myself and him and whenever I'm around him I'm not afraid to be who I am in his presence 
He reflects the Father's love at all times to me. I know that he loves the Lord, and as a result, I feel safe in his presence. Even on days where I feel like I'm not necessarily being the best man that I can, I know that he will challenge me, but also uphold me and love me. And when I think about being able to come as you are into the Father's presence, when we come back into church, I think of my father-in-law, if I'm being honest. Because he is a true reflection of the Father's love to me. And I know that he loves me. Regardless of all my faults, my many, many faults. And if my father-in-law is able to love me like that, how much more my heavenly father? I implore you, come as you are. We can acknowledge where we're all at together. The word says to not forsake the gathering of the brethren. And also that where two or three are gathered, there he is. I don't want to miss out on experiencing Jesus in the presence of his people. And as we reflect on our earthly fathers today, I want you to think about how much more your heavenly father loves you and how he's calling you home. Come on. Come on, come as you are. Experience me once again. And there's so many different opportunities if you feel like you're not necessarily in the greatest of places. We have prayer meeting tonight. We'll have a prayer team at church, ready, headed up by my awesome wife, ready to go to help you through that journey. But we're asking you to come. I'm going to pray with you. Lord, thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, and the fact that you are always desiring relationship with us. Thank you today for our earthly fathers. But ultimately, we want to celebrate you, our heavenly father, and thank you for the love, the agape, the unconditional love that you have given unto us. Lord, we want to pray for everyone who may be struggling with the concept of being able to come back to church. We want to pray that they're able to just cast down all their burdens and just get lost in your presence as they return. Lord, that you're able to remove any anxieties. You're able to place the right people to have the right conversations around them, to allow them to feel encouraged. Lord, where you have placed us to be the people doing the encouraging. I want to pray that your Holy Spirit is able to come upon our lips and season our speech with your grace. That people may be able to just feel implored to come in. So Lord, we say thank you. Thank you for your blessing during this time. But also thank you for what you're going to do as we meet back together again. Amen. And as always, we want to give an opportunity to anyone who wants to reconnect with Jesus Christ or connect with Jesus for the first time. And if that's you and if you feel like I've been through a really horrible time and I don't even know what coming to church would even look like for me, I want you to just take a minute in your living room or if you're watching this on a commute or wherever you're watching this, just take a minute and pray with me now and repeat the words after me. Dear Father, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. And thank you for loving me. I come before you now 
with all my faults, with all my flaws, knowing that you love me anyway. Take my heart, make it new again, and give me the confidence of knowing that I am your child. In Jesus' name I pray. Well, thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you all very, very soon. I'm going to start practicing and stretching so I'm ready to hug everyone when we get back. And yeah, have a great week and I'll see you soon. Many thanks.